Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. I was going to say, like, the whole point of Star Wars is to get in to shoot those freaking things to kill the Death Star. You're talking about the whole design of that movie. I'm a little... Things didn't go the way you thought. No, I'm just a little... (laughs) Stallone's playing soccer? Yeah. What's going on? I'm watching this. I saw that at a very young age, and I didn't... You're coming at me hard. I'm not coming at you hard. Yeah, you are. I just don't believe her choices. Her choices are ridiculous. Give me me an emotion. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. You never know. You might find your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of over 150 episodes for your listening pleasure. Uh, how's everyone doing out there? How are you doing, Mr. Butler? Uh, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, I'm just one of the guys. <laughs> no, you're, in fact, not just one of the guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when Terry Griffith loses her high school's writing competition, she's convinced that it's because she's a girl. So Terry decides to change high schools and pose as a boy to prove her point. Her brother, Buddy, helps her pass as a guy so well that she is soon making friends with the boys at school, including the attractive Rick, who becomes her new best friend, but her gender swapping makes things difficult when she falls in love with them. This is just one of the guys. Yay! That's a so-so synopsis. It's okay. Billy does not help her. I mean, she takes his clothes, but he does everything he can to kind of... He he teaches her how to... Uh, adjust herself. That's right. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> so just one of the guys is a runtime of hundred minutes. It's rated PG 13, which is amazing because it has full frontal in it, but that's fine. Uh, production budget of $5 million. It came out on April 26, 1985. This is an oldie. Uh, this is it's uh, 37th anniversary, right? Yes. 37. Did I do the math wrong? You did the math wrong. It's 36, 36. It's 2022. Oh my God. It is. <laughs> oh man. I'm old. Yeah. Feeling it? Yeah, let it sink in. Gray hairs are coming. Yeah, the joints are going to start aching. Yeah, life's over. It's over. Pack it up. Jeez. Pack it up. Oh, jeez. (laughs) Soylent green is you. (laughs) (laughs) Opening weekend, it did $3.3 million. Domestic and worldwide are the same. It did 11.5. But I do have a note that according to the director, Lisa Gottlieb, that when it's all said and done up to now, that the movie has made $90 million worldwide. Could not find that anywhere else. I believe her because I'm wondering if it's more like, you know, home box office sales and video sales and just kind of like stuff like that. I think that's what she's referencing. Sure. But I mean, movies always have a cult status. Sure. I always wonder if but I, more. I guess in its initial box office run, it, it made 11.5. A production company was Columbia Pictures, Suma Entertainment Group, or Suma, excuse me, and Triton, and they're distributed by Columbia Pictures. It came out on the 26th. No one's going to remember any of these movies, especially Butler. The 26th of what? Of April. Okay. Went up against Stick, the Burt Reynolds film. I have no clue what that is. Do you remember seeing a stunt uh, in a Burt Reynolds film where it's the guy, he's all white hair, and he falls off of a ledge? He's like, it's like almost like the Hans Gruber fall in Die Hard, where he's asking, oh, okay. help yep. me, help me. Yeah, he's like, okay. yeah, and he's like try, to ju- try to push off. Maybe you'll hit the water. That's from Stick. Well, that's all I know. <laughs> that is it. Uh, on the uh, May 3rd, the week after, you had Code of Silence. That is a Chuck Norris film. Gotcha. Starring Anthony Edwards. Uh, Jim Cotta, which I posted in our lobby. That Did you watch the trailer for that? <laughs> I saw that, what you posted. Holy yes. <laughs> cow. Takes the power of gymnastics and karate. Yeah, why aren't we doing that film? I forget. <laughs> I just love the fact that he's fighting people and all of a sudden he's got he's around, he's surrounded. By, this is the trailer. He's surrounded by a group of like 30 bad guys and he just there's a pommel horse there for him to do his routine. <laughs> I was like, what? Like you, I mean, come on now. But anyways, we should, maybe we should do that. Uh, in a limited release that week, you also had Private Resort. That's with Johnny Depp, right? And uh, yes, it is with Johnny Depp. But like, here's the thing. 
I watched a trailer for that and it's part of like a trilogy of private movies. Like, so there's private resort, private school and private lessons. And like private lessons is this like 14 year old kid. It's from an 81. It's this 14 year old kid with this like adult woman. And she's like seducing him and teaching him how to be a man. I'm just like, what is happening? Like, this is, I'm like, Ooh, soft core porn or something. Well, it did. I, did star the woman from Emmanuel, so yes, maybe. <laughs> but it was a film, like, like in the theaters, like woof. You had Movers and Shakers, which is a movie written by Charles Grodin. It's got a bunch of people in it, and then the documentary Pumping Iron to the Women. That's the name of the movie. Uh, so <laughs> the week before the April nineteenth, you had Moving Violations. You ever see that? That's about the uh, driving school that reached Stacy Keach. I have no idea. Really? God. And the Company of Wolves, which I I had never heard seen, never really heard of. It is a, it's directed by Neil Jordan. It is a, not sci-fi, a fantasy uh, horror movie about werewolves. It's, if you watch the trailer for it, I'm watching the trailer for it and I'm going, I kind of want to watch this movie. Like that's how interesting and weird it looked. So that might be something I'm going to put on the big list, by the way. So hopefully we'll, you know, we'll get to that. Angela Lansbury? Yeah, she's in there too. Yeah, but she, yeah. So it's in Company of Wolves. I'm gonna oh, I think that. I've seen the transformation scene before. Oh, when Based it, on the face poster. comes off? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I know. That, okay. Yeah. All right. So anyway. It's a dope poster. It, it, it looked like a very interesting film. All right. All right. So this movie, Just One of the Guys, is directed by Lisa Gottlieb. She has done Across the Moon and Cadillac Ranch. Uh, screenplay and story was Dennis Feldman. Uh, he also wrote the screenplay with Jeff Franklin. Dennis Feldman has done The Golden Child, Species, and Virus. Jeff Franklin. Uh, so when I'm watching the credit, t- credits for this. It looks just like yes, Full House. Yes. That was my, that's my first note code. This is the Full House credits? Yeah. And so Jeff, oh, Jeff Franklin, Franklin wrote, wrote this. <laughs> and, and I think he produced some of this movie, but he did obviously Full Does House. Does he own the font? I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, did he like, I really like this font, man. We got to use it for something else. <laughs> Full House, Fuller House, Laverne and Shirley, Hangover, Mr. Cooper. These are all stuff that he's written, obviously, for TV and produced and being part of. So, obviously, a big-time pedigree. But, yeah, it's the exact same font. Yep. from. Uh, so, if you didn't know that, just one of the guys' font. I was so happy when I saw Full the name pop up at the end. I was like, oh, Whatever no. happened to you? I was waiting for that to pop <laughs> on. Right. Uh, he's also, some of the movies he's done at school and Love Stinks. Now, I also have a note here that uh, Gottlieb claims that her and her writing partner, Mitch Giannunzio, Worked on the script, but the producers denied them credit. So they did do some work on the script. And I do have other notes where that she worked with the actors in terms of like what they want to do and they workshopped ideas and whatnot. So, right. So that, that makes a little sense. Cinematography by John McPherson. He's done Jaws the Revenge, Short Circuit 2, and Fletch Lives. Basically, he's a sequel guy. Composer mm-hmm. was Tom Scott, who's done Stir Crazy, Soul Man, and Hot Pursuit. Edited by Tony Lombardo, who's done Uncle Buck, My Cousin Vinny, and a movie that we did, Butler Greedy. Produced by Andrew Fogelson, who's done Spring Break and Blue Thunder, to name a few. And our cast now, uh, a lot of unknowns, some people you might recognize, but a lot of unknowns. Joyce Heiser as Terry Griffith. She's done This Is Spinal Tap, Valley Girl, Staying Alive, and Greedy. She was in Greedy, which I compl- I think we talked about Oh, okay, when, yep. when we did the Greedy mm-hmm. show, yep. Uh, Clayton Rohner as Rick Morehouse. He's in April Fool's Day, Bat 21, and The Relic. Billy Jane as Buddy Griffith. Parker Lewis can't lose a TV show. And Cujo, he, I think he's the kid in Cujo. He's her, he is uh, Terry Griffith's obviously younger brother. Rick Morehouse is, the, is who Terry falls in love with, who she tries to help out and change his look or whatever. Right. Tony Hudson as Denise. She's in Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, and School Spirit. William Zabka as Greg Tolan. Now, again, I'm going to tell Butler to watch Cobra Kai. He's not going to because he just will ignore me. He says, I try to try. I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, he's obviously in the TV show Cobra Kai. He plays Johnny Lawrence from The Karate Kid. He's also in Back to School. And he actually is a Oscar-nominated uh, uh, Oscar-nominated person for the movie Moist. Most. Moist. Excuse me. Most. He's a, he was a writer. It was a short film. So, oh really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, this is part of his bully trilogy. I, I, I saw didn't read that. that. I'm like, all right, was, I that, was that a real trilogy? Is that what you're I calling think, the bully? Yeah, trilogy? that's the note where I skipped because I'm <laughs> like, come on, that's a little bit of a stretch. It was Karate Kid, back back to school, and then and then this, this one. yeah. Uh, Lee McCluskey as Kevin, who is the boyfriend of Terry, the college boyfriend of Terry. Just as '80s douche written all of them. That's of actually my first note. <laughs> '80s douche. <laughs> he's in a lot of soap. Uh, he's in a lot of soap operas. He was in Santa Barbara, General Hospital, and Young and Restless. Sherilyn Fenn, who is, I think this is her first, uh, her first movie. Uh, she plays Sandy. She's in The Wraith, which might be a movie for us to put on our list, Butler. Boxing Helena and Of Mice and Men. And Twin Peaks. I know. I knew you were going there, so I left it <laughs> off. Deborah Goodridge as Deborah. 
Do you think that was her name in the script and they just gave it to her? or Maybe. She's also in April's Fool's Day and out on a limb. And then you had a couple, uh, not cameos, but they're people that would, uh, Ari Gross as Willie and Robert Fieldsteel, Fieldsteel as Phil. Those are the two, I guess, nerds. Alien nerds. I got real issues with Because you also have a reptile nerd. <laughs> yeah, his name is Reptile. That's yeah. Stuart Charno. He's from Friday the 13th Part 2 and Christine. But Gross, yep. you've probably seen Ari Gross in a lot of uh, TV shows. He's a character actor who was mm-hmm. in Castle. I uh, was in the TV show Ellen, not the talk show, but the actual show they did. And he's also a minority report. He plays the first guy that they wand for cheating. He's going to kill his wife. Oh, okay. Yep. And then, uh, yeah. And then I feel, feel Steel is, uh, is an empower and misfire. All right. So that's the cast. Like I said, a lot of unknowns, especially for the time. In, and now, obviously, obviously, I think the probably the biggest name here would be Zabka, especially with Cobra Kai. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I had seen this movie a long time ago. And I know that Butler had not. And I know the last episode when we were saying. We were, I knew of it. I had seen yeah. clips on different. But, but I know that the last episode when we were like, oh, we're doing just one of the guys. You were hesitant because you were concerned that you were going to have to be watching an inappropriate. I've film. never seen it. So I didn't know how it was going to come I understand. Off. I'm setting yeah. up what, what I'm setting. This is called a setup. <laughs> so I, I, I'm curious, like your initial reactions to seeing this movie in its totality. As a true American. <laughs> All right. I find it completely inappropriate that this movie is rated PG-13, showing all that nudity. I draw the line at gross, terrible violence, but you show me the female anatomy, and that is disgusting. How dare quick, you show me a female It was a, a quick flash. Body. It was a quick flash. And there's Playboy pictures all over the place. Oh, that is, that's true. I that forgot is gross that. and inappropriate. That's true. That's true. I forgot I'm that. No, I, yeah. Ah. I totally forgot that. That's how PG-13 movies should be. It's not violent. PG-13. Mm-hmm. Who cares about boobs? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, meanwhile, you can have like a Chuck Norris movie is probably PG thirteen. He probably kills forty five guys. Yeah, that's well, it's like America, man. Well, <laughs> not for anything, but you just had a Marvel movie, The Eternals, where there was a straight up sex scene in the movie. And yeah, PG thirteen. Like, I don't really need the the point of insertion for Cersei, and and I, I mean, like, really, I'm watching this going, why would I don't understand? Like, why is this on here? Like, of all, <laughs> why do I need to see this in in this type of film? You need it. I did. Yeah. So, <laughs> not that I'm approved, but it's just like you know, who's coming to these movies? Uh, ever, anyone just because it's got Marvel, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, no, I, I just uh, I was surprised about the amount of boobage and still well, PG thirteen. Okay, okay, well, but that's not I'm that doesn't that doesn't shade anything. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. I didn't think. I think there are some jokes that definitely you couldn't do now. Um, some some offhand comments about like transvestites and stuff like that that are just like eh, a little. I don't think a lot of the time. I, I, I think that's that, that's just that's just words they're using that are going to offend somebody, right? Right. That's what you're saying, yeah. But I don't. I thought it was pretty uh, pretty okay. I was gonna say I, I, I can't think of the word I'm trying to use right now. But I didn't think it was very. I didn't think it was very offensive at all. Granted, that's coming from you know a straight white male. Uh, Is that what you are? Opinion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, I I didn't think it was that offensive. I thought it was pretty pretty good. I thought it was funny. I really like Buddy. I thought Buddy the, has the, a lot of really brother. good lines. Yeah, he's got a lot of really good uh, parts of the film. I thought Zabka does a much better job at being a bully in this than Karate Kid. Well, he doesn't have a. He's not really a. He's a supporting character. He's not really a lead bully. Right. Yeah. But I thought he did a pretty good job. But yeah, I I thought it was a good film. Got yeah. a lot of funny parts. Is it like a classic? Yeah, I don't know about Courtney that. EW, it's number 48 in their 50 best high school films. I, mean, I, have, a, a, I have an issue with the list. 50 but. whole high school. I didn't read the whole list. I saw that you and well, someone else we know were going yeah, well, to talk about how Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is on there. It's like, that's not a, I, I don't care if they're Technically in school. They go to the dance in that one. That's so stupid. That one's, that one's got the most drama. It's, dumb, it's just a dumb <laughs> list. It's just a dumb, dumb list. Uh, but no, I... At a fifty whole high school movies, I would I would maybe put this one on my list. Well, let's compare it to a high school film that we watched from the same decade, uh, Three O'clock High. Three O'clock High is better. I'm not saying what is better. <laughs> I'm saying I like Three O'clock High a lot. Jeez, is this better than a than a Breakfast Club? I know you hate the Breakfast Club. This is better. Than Breakfast wow, Club. Well, there you go. That's good then. <laughs> uh, I I think it's a I think it's a movie that's a little bit ahead of its time in terms of the. I think it deals with the subject matter well. And I think that has mm-hmm. a lot to do with uh, a female director. You know, you're not going to, it doesn't devolve into jokes that guys think are funny about women. That yeah. Kind of thing. So I think um, I really didn't have a problem with any of the, what you were talking about in terms of what they can't do today. I, I, I don't think that that's of the issue of just like, of something that's extremely inappropriate. But I think it's just of the issue of times have changed and tech terminology has changed. Well, that, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's well, all right. I'm saying. Yeah. That's, that's just the, 
you know, the, I don't. There aren't any lines where I was right. like, ooh, there were just a couple lines that I was like, I think yeah. that would be said. Instead a of transvestite, yeah. you would say transgender, like that kind of. Oh, thing. not like, even just the terms, but yeah. yeah. But but I think you can't do a movie like this without without broaching that subject. Oh, for sure. You know yeah. what I mean? So you and this is how. Here's the other thing. We talk about this all the oh, time. I saw the note. Are you going to bring up that it has helped transgender people? No, no. Go ahead. You can you can oh, say that. I know that the director has said that. Uh, She's been approached by a lot of um, gay people and transgender people who said that this film really helped them out and discover their own sexuality. Sure. When they were watching the film. Yeah, it's an honest. It's 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 a it's a loosely based on Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. Mm -hmm. So, and there's a lot of other stories that are out there. I think the Miley Cyrus one. She's the one. Is that the one? She's the one. That's the one where she plays. Yeah. So I don't know, man. <laughs> she she plays on a soccer. She goes to a private school and she dresses as a boy to get on the soccer team. It's like that, but it's like, but that's all come that all that stuff stems from 12th, 12th night. night yeah. Ladybugs or Jonathan Brandis. Yep. That, that all stems from 12th night, that, that kind of idea. Um, and there's, there's tons of other examples, but I think I like that this, this place, like uh, this movie, buddy, straight up names, Tootsie. You trying oh, to go yeah. all Tootsie? <laughs> well, I think one of the producers is, or is, or the company owned Tootsie or something. There's a, there is a Tootsie connection. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think that what I was going to my point before was that these are people that are are real people that are having real conversations. It's not it's not movie dialogue. You know what I mean? Like it's not dialogue that's safe or like this is how this is how everybody speaks in high school. Like, you know what I mean? It seems it seems a little bit more genuine. Sure. Yeah. You know, they don't you know, you don't have you have the you have the bomb, the bomb. Jeez, you have the uh, bully who calls Terry when Terry is dressed as Terry the man. I guess because she uses the same, same name. name she, yeah. He calls her a tulip. He calls him a tulip. And right. That's a, it's a it's obviously a coded slur, a slur instead of saying you know the the inappropriate word your inappropriate terminology. I right. think that even though that's a different word, I think that that's enough that that helps because you don't have to you know how many times in weird science when they, when they drop the f word all the time. Oh yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Because and even when you watch it now, you're just like ooh yeah, like that kind of thing. So I think that I think that also helps the movie carry forth in terms of beyond its years so like somebody could watch it now and not not have cringe moments right though. right ah. I but and i think that's good and i think this yeah. the story that it's telling i think is is fun the one thing that i was i didn't know if you caught on to this was there's not a lot of music in the movie like score i noticed that there's not a lot of score there's some i also noticed there's not a lot of um actual like band music there's not a lot of like hey this is going to be on the soundtrack Check well they do transitional music they do a little yes. bit of that but you know, a lot of 80s movie at this time even like three o'clock i used a lot of, they use a lot of like montage type 80s bands and stuff like that you don't have as much well right right they do have like songs like in the beginning they have song beginning and the end they have a song when like they're driving in the car at one point and then there's a song that's playing when she's in the bathroom and she's trying to in one of those moments oh uh, when she sees the other guy yes yeah but I meant like in terms of just kind of like emotional moments or like the end where they're in the school. That they just let them play out. Yeah. There's yeah. no score. And I, I, not that I don't know if that's necessarily a negative or positive. It's just, I just something that I noticed, like there's nothing, there's no, there's no musical cue here to let me know how I'm supposed to feel. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And I, right. maybe that is a good, maybe that is a good play uh, in this movie. What did you think of uh, the lead? What did you think of uh, Joyce Heiser as Terry Griffin? I think she did a good job. Would I have fallen for her <laughs> ruse as as other Terry? Well, she, I don't. I don't know. She does look like Ralph Macchio. She does look a little like. I liked that comment. <laughs> Looks like the Karate Kid, especially because <laughs> Zapka's in the film. Yeah, and that's mentioned after Zapka already appears. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, I I think she did a good job. It's funny the way she does her voice and stuff like that. She does mm -hmm. kind of carry herself very interestingly. Uh, I I think she she definitely holds the movie together. Right. Because you're you're. You want to watch it. You want her to win. You want her to succeed. And I think she has like a good transformation as well. Cause when it starts, she's not like not likable, but she seems like she's already kind of got it together. So it's like, what is she really striving for? And the movie really kind of high school senior who has a college boyfriend. Right. Yeah. She's already, everybody likes her. She's already pretty. She's pretty. Like she's, that, so. she's attractive and she is a good student and she's career driven. And, and yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, what, what is she fighting for? And then the film, like, you kind of get you kind of hope that okay i hope that she does learn yeah not learn a lesson but you get at the beginning like it's not that she's not good it's that she's not that her article is not interesting she hasn't found her voice yet there's and no I passion that's, in the article yeah, yeah that's what she's missing and i think the film does a good job showing her 
journey to get there. She doesn't emotionally connect to her stories, even though she is a good reporter, even though she does, she is. She's know, mad that her article about the nutritional value of school right. lunches didn't win. And he's like, it's an important article. Yes, but there's no emotional connection by the writer. So therefore the reader doesn't feel any of the passion off the screen, off the, off the page. Right. Uh, which is, you know, which is a, which is, you know, not an uncommon, uh, not mistake, but an uncommon uh, f- facet of somebody growing up sure. trying to be a journalist in, in the beginning. Cause I know. like that. She goes, as soon as she's Terry, you get it right away. They don't like wait for it. Mm-hmm. She dresses as Terry, the boy goes to submit her journalism article to this new, uh, um, just the Sturgis Wilders high school. Yeah. The other high school she goes to. And he says the same thing. Yeah. It's a great article, but it's boring. Right. And I can't submit this. And she thought it was going to be so easy to dress as a boy. And he was going to go, Oh, cause you're a boy. This article's great. It was the passion she was missing. So that's what she's got to look for. So what exactly does she do with the article? Does she just submit it to the Tribune up or beyond the high school? Because my question was, how did you sign up to this new high school? How is the other high school not understanding where you've been for two weeks? Yep. Uh, did you win the, the new high school's award? Or they're going to find out you're not a real student. So... How that war you're going to be nullified? It was a lot of stuff. It was just like I'm going. I'm going to do this. All right. Yeah, I thought the same thing. There's no like her mom or no one dresses as the mom going enrolling her kid. Right. There's no enrolling. She just shows up. At first, I didn't even know it was a new high school. Yes. I don't know if she know if she says that or we're just supposed to know from the name as it pans down that it's I a think you're high supposed school. to know. And it took me a, a minute to realize it was a different high school. Uh, but yeah, the, my notes are like, how did she enroll? How is she here? How is the other school not missing her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I get her parents are gone for two weeks. So that's kind of, a way uh, well, I get that. Like they get set that up while they're home alone. Yeah. yeah. But it's still like, uh, you gotta, it's a, gotta really disconnect mm-hmm. and have like a separation of like disbelief or whatever to sure. get well, past it's a comedy. that initial thing. Yeah. yeah we, we talk about sometimes in, in comedies like this, you have to kind of not hold it to the flame too much in terms of that kind of, you know, right. Yeah. yeah you gotta not overthink it. Yeah. Um, especially if the comedy works, you're, you're willing to sacrifice those, those little nitpicks that we have, uh, because the movie made you laugh and it's funny and, and there's right. nothing wrong with that. That's, that's, that's what they're going for. Exactly. So works. It's when the movie doesn't work that that's just something that gets piled on when you, oh, this wasn't funny. You know what else is completely BS <laughs> that, you know, that kind of thing. Did you notice that the Edwina Pearl high school is the same high school that Bill and Ted go to? I thought it looked it familiar. Is. It's the nice. same, same, um, same location that before San Bill Dimas. San, San Dimas San Dimas High. High. Did you notice that um, at the beginning when Terry's friend uh, Denise is going over the different people that want to date her? Yeah. One of the people's last name is Gibbler. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Full House, obviously. Kimmy Gibbler is the annoying one that nice. no one likes. Matt, you're really going to make those Full House connections. I think that's the only one I got. How about her friend Denise at the prom being completely okay with the uh, 35 to 40 year old? Guitar, guitar player, player in the band giving her looks he's not just a guitar player man he was the lead singer oh my god <laughs> no he wasn't was he yeah oh, i thought it was the guy in the pink uh pink i think he was le- just backup leather uh <laughs> pantsuit uh yeah i was just like just like, he's giving i'm gonna go over and talk he Highly is like 20 years older than you well i mean <laughs> i know she said that uh kevin is in college but that's a grown-ass man Oh yeah, it's like oh, she's college. What? He's like college senior. Oh, he's not a freshman. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no. But hey, listen, that was lax back then. You could do that was okay. Was whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like hitting on the high school girls after she dumps them too. Hey, how you doing? You're probably <sighs> here with a day, huh? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, well, hey, it was a, it was a different time. Different a, time, different man. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I love the comp. Uh, like we talked, you were talking about before how Buddy teaches uh, Terry how to walk like a man and stuff. Yeah. I love that scene. All balls itch. All it's a fact. balls itch. It's a fact. I love that. Very <laughs> crucial. Something every guy does. <laughs> First, there's your basic shift. Then you got your adjustment. As a man, yes, it happens. I think as you get older, you just try to make sure that you don't do it in full view of everybody. Oh yeah, you gotta not like Whoa. like even like even when growing up in high school and college or whatever, and, and my fr- I'd be sitting there, with my friend doing from me go, you got to do it in my face. Like I don't yep. need to see it, man. Like yeah, so yeah, maybe I'm just you know. That's part of growing up, you learn to hide it. You, you have learn, to. You, you have learn to, to learn to adjust that. a little it's, better. It, it's it is it is an issue at times. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I don't understand skinny jeans i don't understand what, like the skinny jeans battle because i'm like i don't want to have to always have to fight that fight, down there. <laughs> <laughs> fight, that fight. <laughs> i just don't want to i don't want anything to do with that <laughs> honestly i don't understand how how guys do that how young guys do that now 
I mean, do they just ignore them. it? The balls are like, all right, here we go again. I don't. I it's. I don't. <laughs> it's yeah. That's that's something I just didn't get. But whatever. Well, this movie just leans into it. He just says it, and it's. it's oh yeah. I, I really enjoy the brother sister kind of relationship they have. I think it's really funny. I think Buddy's got some great lines. I love the conversation with the mom. Oh, oh screw you! God, screw you, butt face. <laughs> mom says hi. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I like his. Uh, like when he's talking with Terry and she's like, listen, sex is not that big of a deal. He's like, I like to form my own opinion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For God's sake, I vacuumed Linda. Oh, I know. Yeah. And if I said I if I said I was would it make any difference if I said I was hung like a bear? I don't know. Are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> she looked like she was 12. Oh, yeah. And he looks like he's like 18. Like, well, I thought that I was like, because I always like to see how old people are when they're doing the high school movies. He's actually pretty close to his age. Yeah. Uh, Heiser is like 28, 27, right? Yes. Yeah. She's definitely older. Yeah. She was dating Bruce Springsteen at the time. Yes. Her bedroom's covered in Bruce Springsteen yeah. posters. I thought that was interesting as well. Not that I really care about who's dating who back then, but I, with the posters and whatnot. She also had to wear. She also had a wrapper torso with ace bandages under her wardrobe for uh, when she played the Terry for the yeah. male Terry. Um, you know to obviously hide her hide her breasts and whatnot. But I wondered why they didn't use that within the story itself. Like show that more. Like I would think that that's something that she would do. You know to you know. Well, you in, had to figure she does movie. do that because when Sherilyn Finn uh, comes in with yes. the fish, she's got the jacket on. She's trying to hide. Yes. Because as boy terry she's like yeah yeah, yeah. she's flat over there mm -hmm. and then she's she doesn't have anything taping her down so she's got to kind of hide i'm just wondering why they didn't i mean i get i understand why you don't have it at the end because you want her just to take off the shirt and to let rick know have that, that moment yeah. but that's you would still that's not something you can hide really easily you know yeah and you've already made movie, that a story point yeah. beforehand that it's something she has to hide right so. right but True. that's fine it, because that that scene at the end works uh, the way it's done and I know that they tried that they didn't want to do that like Heather didn't want to didn't want to shoot that scene because she didn't want she had a no nudity clause she didn't want to do that in the movie oh really okay and Gottlieb tried to write and rewrite like try to rework that scene to, to try to figure out to get around that but like ultimately she was able to convince her because there was no other way to do that to do the reveal like that without it coming off you know good and well and you know he you know just his line is funny at the end when he sees that, when he, when he sees it, like, what do you, you have? What do you get? Oh, having tits, like tits, that? Yeah. yeah. That's a funny line. And I think later on, I think they had a, there's a Blu-ray out that came out a couple of years ago, I think for its 30th anniversary. And, um, they say our 35th anniversary they actually did. It came out in 2020. Uh, they say that, that looking back, like, yes, that was the right decision to do. Okay. And it is. I think so. I think that's the only way to do that scene. You need that moment. A, it's 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 shocking. Yeah. And it, it gets the point really it's quick. It's funny, too. It's funny. And yeah. it doesn't give you it's it's not overly cheesy or sappy where you'd have to have like a five minute like dialogue. Yeah. Scene instead, that's a lot better. And it's show. But don't tell. Right. But it's also it's not sexualized. It's as a matter of fact. No, look. Oh, right. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not like. Oh, sure. It's and Rick's not, reaction's great. Yeah. It's not a brown. brown, yeah. brown. He's not, not like, oh, there's no, baby. There's, yeah. there's, no, there's no like there's no musical cue. As yeah. I talked about before, there's no light <laughs> shining down on Rick's face. But also to your point as well that you mentioned before that it helps that it was directed by women. There's no like weird moments like the poster is a moment that I wouldn't have wanted to see in the movie. Like I thought it would be cliche. Right. She's got the two football helmets over her breasts. And yeah. Locker. That's to get people. in the, the Yeah. The first time when she's in the locker room, he's like, you got to change. I was like. This is going to be like, uh, all right, I get it. Yeah. It's the 80s. So maybe like stuff like that hasn't been done yet. We, we always talk about like, do I not like that? Because it's been done before since then. Right. But I was like, I don't need this moment. And then she makes the fire alarm. So you don't get that moment. So I was, I was really glad that those moments never came until the end where she just exposes herself for Rick yeah. real quick. To the, to the studio's credit, they, they gave Gottlieb a, a ton of freedom and said, we want to cast unknown actors want get fresh young faces on the screen you know just they cast a huge net to find like hot people that were like hot up and coming people right uh they were and they said go to arizona and go shoot go do your movie which that's to columbia's credit that's fantastic because right, they yeah. had that confidence in the face and what they got back it might not have been a movie and we'll get to it's forgotten status but it might not have been a movie that really um came came out the way they wanted it to in terms of being a hit Right. But I, they did get a good movie 
And, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean, so I think to that, to that credit, I mean, that's, you know, I, I don't want to say bravo Columbia, but, but you know, <laughs> that, I'm just giving Columbia a little credit there. No. Yeah. Um, Would you have liked this role if Jennifer Jason Lee was in it? Because she had screen tested for the movie. Sure. Better than Joyce Eisen? Mm, uh, sure. I gotta think that <laughs> I gotta think the believability of a woman playing a man to pass to pass as a man would have to factor in. It would have to be it has to be an unknown. Mm-hmm. Well, is she more well known by this point? Who? No. Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, uh. Well, no, she flashed fast times original high. Was just out beforehand. Yeah, it was the uh, early eighties. So that was earlier eighties. Yeah. Okay, so mm, yeah, maybe not, because you, this is her first big leading role, really. True, she was younger. She's the younger sister in that, right? Yeah. So I mean, Joyce Joyce Heiser is now you're you're not looking at her with like uh, she doesn't have any baggage. I guess. Yeah, that's true. So even though Jennifer Jason Lee would have done might have done well. You've already seen her in things. Mm-hmm. Joyce Heiser, you really haven't. Mm-hmm. So maybe the believability of her as Terry, at least in the back of your mind, would work better. Mm-hmm. Terry wears a lot of skinny ties and vests in this film. Terry looks like uh, she needs to be in like 80s music videos. That's an 80s film. That's an 80s yeah. movie. So she's dressing like an 80s. She's got style. Um, Which was what they bring up. And that's why. Well, that's how she fixes that's Rick. Why, yeah, yeah, Terry needs to help Rick. We haven't talked about Rick a lot. What did you think of that Clayton's performance as Rick, but also I guess the chemistry of Rick and Terry throughout. I think one of the notes that I have is that they talk about how in the beginning, Rick kind of understands that he believes that Terry is gay. So he just, and a, and a friend. So he, so he understands that going forward. Sure. In the, in the, so he kind of like, you know, he likes him. He likes how he, you know, helps him helps out. Him out yeah, absolutely. Right. Cause there is a bit of awkwardness. I mean, Terry doesn't know how to really handle being a boy right. and, and having a, a male friend. So there is kind of moments where Rick, you can see that Rick is kind of like, mm, what's up with this kid? Even though, you know, Terry befriends him and, and wants to hang out with him. Whereas Rick, you can get from the beginning is rather uh, a loner, always wears headphones, doesn't mm-hmm. really hang out with people, always by himself. So, you know, Terry brings him in and kind of forces him to have a friend. Right. So even though, and you get that moment in the bathroom as well. Yeah. And that's kind when of he, when he fixes his hair, puts the hair over his, his yes, ear yeah. and he's all mad that he's going to the bathroom in front of him. Yes. Yeah. In front of her. Yeah. So. But no, I, I like Rick. I think he's he's right off the bat. You know, he's just kind of because he's bounced around from school to school. But you get the fact that he's more. With it more together than like the other nerds that are like reptile man. We'll get to the, the alien. We'll kids. get to the nerds. <laughs> um, so he's definitely more put together. He's just quiet and shy because. You know, he's never really had a chance to make friends. Right. Uh, so I think that works. Plus his secret love of James Brown. Which is pretty <laughs> cool when you find out that uh, James Brown comes to the set. He spent three days with the actor Clayton Runner to learn his dance moves so that he can do them at the end of the, at the prom. Right, yeah. That's pretty wild. That's pretty cool. His, I spent a week with James Brown. Yeah. Uh, that's, the actor's quote. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a nice note to see. Um, why don't we get to the nerds? Because my note about <laughs> Willie and Phil. Phil. Is it Phil? Yeah. Yeah. Is there something wrong with them? I was waiting for them to actually be aliens. I was waiting for some like 1980s cutaway gag where after the prom they go, mission is complete, and they hit their button, and they actually beam up, and so it turns out they were really aliens. I'm trying to think about other, you know, nerds at the in movies throughout, sure. throughout the decades. I'm going to put move aside Revenge of the Nerds, because I know that's all nerds. <laughs> and I, when I say nerd, it's not a, I'm not being negative. It's just a... It's, just it's an I'm 80s using. character trope. Exactly. But you have the two kids, the John Cusack character and the other guy uh, and the other guy from 16 Candles. Okay. Yep. That are Anthony Michael Hall's like buddies. Mm-hmm. You know, they're those two. And then the two guys from Can't Hardly Wait that are the but the friend of the, of Charlie Cosmo Car- who goes into the party. They infiltrate the party. I vaguely I haven't uh, seen that movie in a long time. But you yeah, should. Okay. That's pretty good. But anyway, like those guys are just for an example, those guys are believable. Because yes, they're extremely quote unquote nerdy, and they ha- and they have you know they're just weird, I guess, for the sure. sake of being, and that's fine. But they're believable. Like I can see, I I know people like that. These guys seem like they have there's a serious mental issue that's going on with these guys. Oh sure, but like they're completely like, and I get they're it, they're a league of their own. Honestly, and like just I get it's the eighties, <laughs> so people are probably just like whatever, just leave me alone. But like they are just <laughs> off the wall, and I'm like, these guys are something's wrong with these guys. And we have experimented with one of your Earth customs. Yes, 
Uh, now they were supposed to be Trekkies, but they because Columbia doesn't own the rights to Star Trek, mm-hmm. they couldn't be Trekkies. So they had to workshop their own geekdom. So the two actors got together, Gross and Fieldsteel got together and came up with this, as you said, like, you know, these like alien type guys. And, like and, Mork. Right. They they <laughs> so they came up with all of that. They workshopped those two characters together. I just wish it was just a little reined into reality for me to just not be like this. Because every time they came on screen, I'm just like, what is wrong with these guys? It was a little much. It really needed. I really needed the payoff of them actually being aliens. Oh, I think I, I would have been dumb, but I would have loved it. It would have been 80s. So it definitely exactly. Would've been, yeah, it would have really yeah. hit. It would have really worked with the 80s vibe. Yeah. And Reptile Man, really. Reptile never really gets a payoff either. Well, Reptile takes a date to the prom. And I don't know if the prom date was a man as well or like it could look just like him or uh, or his. But it, his prom date was not good looking. <laughs> well, look at him. I mean, he got reptiles all over the place. Uh, yeah, that's the other reptiles thing. Reptiles are more his date. The whole thing about why, you know, he brings the whatever, the gecko, whatever, the lizard to class. Oh, oh to cla- yep. And I don't want to, in the gym class, I don't want to leave in the locker because it's going to get eaten by alligators. And I'm like, what? What? But then re- you realize probably he probably has alligators in his locker too. Oh, maybe. He probably got get, more reptiles in yeah. there. And then <laughs> she picks up the drink at the prom, Terry, and it's, and it's got, got a frog, frog in, it. in it. And I was like, is she going to drink that? She considers <laughs> it for a while. I was like, drop it. Yeah. He takes it out and it's just like, oh, and he throws all the lizards on the on the food chair. And I'm like, what the? Let me ask you this about the prom, because this is something that popped into my head. And this is not the only prom in a movie that I, I'm not thinking about it. They go to the prom, they're dancing and they got a food table. But like, what, at what point did proms change to where you had to go have a dinner? Because all the proms that I've been to, like, OK, let's sit down. What do you want? Chicken? Be Like, you had to actually sit down and have a meal. I think it just changed because now it was probably just more affordable to do it's wedding like, venues. And that's just how yeah. they roll. Well, that's dumb. Like, that's stupid. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I'm thinking back going, I don't want to sit down and eat. And then yeah, just why can't we just all be why can't there be a food spread? And people are just having, you know, a good time, whatever. No. Yeah. And apparently proms back then. No chaperones. There's no adults there. You know, there was, I mean, they're every, fight. They're every, full on every fight. movie, there is like one or two teachers. But yeah, in this prom, I didn't even realize I was watching it. There is not one single yeah. chaperone. There's like a giant fight breaking out and everyone's just like mm. giant fight. You have a 30 year old guy making out with a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Ah, oh, the 80s. Oh. Are there any other lines in the movie that you liked a lot or any kind of I got a couple. I like uh, Rick's whole speech about Greg. OK, I, I really like that speech when he gets up because it's like, oh, what's he going to say? Yeah. And the fact that he's like awarding him biggest douche award, basically <laughs> in front of the cafeteria. Yeah. Uh, is really, really good. And his line, like, so either you had problem with food growing up or you got a really small wiener. <laughs> and I think every guy in the locker room can attest to which one's true. And he holds up the pinky. I was like, oh, that's great. The only thing with the great, with the only thing with the Rick stuff is it kind of comes out of nowhere, this sudden confidence. Right. And I didn't quite grasp where that was coming from. Um, Which it's fine. It's not, a, it's just a little note that I had. It, I mean, it's a comedy, so it's got to speed up. But I think sure. it happens once he kind of gets some of the attention of uh, Deborah. Mm-hmm. And once he gets a little bit of that, like that was enough to push him over the edge to have actual confidence. Sure. Like once he realized, oh, she wants to talk to me. Oh, but this, you know, douche is really stopping that from happening. That's when he's all right. Now we're up because it happens after the scene where she mentions that he likes his she likes his outfit and stuff right, like that. Right. And then he's finally had enough after that. <laughs> Uh, but I really like there's like, every line that buddy has is, I think, really, really good, especially for his age. He carries that comedy really, really like he knows what he's supposed to do in the film. And it's a little overblown. It's a little much, but it, he does it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the line. Can you think of anything more profound than getting laid? And he just a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> and his line about the the centerfolds when he puts up all the play. Oh, pictures. and she, he's he's giving the uh, facts or what they like, what they're yeah. into, interested in. Yeah, every every freaking every freaking pervert did that when they when they to justify being. You know, she loves a, Kurt yeah, Vonnegut. Every 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 guy did that who had a Playboy uh, <laughs> uh, subscription. They always had to accuse the fact. Oh no no no! It's not about that. It's about. You know, the fact that, you know, she's an astrophysicist, uh, you know, and she's working towards her master's. Yeah. OK, pal, whatever. <laughs> uh, I liked going back to Rick. I, I like when he tells Terry about how he's not a virgin and, and she's like, have you ever slept with a girl? Yeah. OK, let's hear it. I was no big deal. I was 14. She was a friend of my mom's after my dad died. I think she wanted to cheer me up. She did. Like, like, that oh, was yeah, like I like that, that delivery. Um, so, yeah. And I like in the prom 
when uh, Sherilyn Fenn's character, uh, what is her name again? When Sandy. Sandy, when Sandy is, you know, with Terry, they're they're at the food table and like you know, and she's apologizing for, you know, basically you know not wanting Trying to, to sleep be, with yeah. him, right? Yeah, and she sees her because Terry ends up taking her friend De- Denise as the date, and she sees Denise, you know, making out with that guy, oh, and, yeah. and he, he's like, "We don't have a real commitment. She can date whoever she wants in the middle of the prom." <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a funny line as well. The other thing that I liked uh, was the. Uh, the older guys, uh, the teachers. So they show the two teachers, her teacher that tells her initially that he didn't select her, or her writing teacher, her, the, the, the journalist. Right. Teacher. The guy yeah, who's yeah. Running, running, the, running the journals club or whatever it is, the yep. paper, the school paper. And uh, he's talking with this other guy. This other guy, obviously a creep. Oh, my flunker. So she stays back. Like, you know, oh, clearly yeah. the creep guy. She but those legs. Right. But I do like the fact that they kind of wrap around to him at the end, the, the, her teacher where he apologizes. Right. To her. I was going to bring that up. I think that's a really great scene. Yeah. That's a, uh, he learns his lesson just like she learns her own lesson. And he right. apologizes. Listen, you were right. I was wrong the way I behaved. I was wrong with what I said. Right. You know, you earned that. You finally found that passion. And, you know, you do have what it takes to be a reporter. Right. Because well, a lot of times in, a high, in these high school films, or especially back then, even now, it's always teachers versus students. Yeah. He'll, you, he'll learn his lesson by right. getting his comeuppance. Right. Exactly. But this was actually done in a more human way and in a more natural way where it's somebody who understood that he was wrong and it was good to see. And I think that's good to have on screen there because it does show that, you know, it, it, it kind of adds a layer to that character that, you know, you know, you don't have to just chalk it up to teacher stink. Boo. You sure. Know, yep. kind of thing. I'll show him like you said. Uh, so no, I definitely like that as well. I didn't realize that the blue, the beer cans that they're drinking at the are real, the real, real, brand yeah, of beer, real yeah. back then they were popular for their they're low cheap. cost because the economy was sluggish. And uh, and young people looking for a cheap buzz. But here's my thing. What was the drinking age? They're all just drinking like nothing. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my notes is like Rick is like to Terry when they're hanging out in his house for the first time. If my mom comes in, my girlfriend's name's Veronica, blah, blah, blah. I don't want her to worry. Hey, you want a beer? Yeah. But you worry your mom's going to come in, but you're cool with drinking a beer. It was in the so, room? yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute. Is California law 18 back then? And I looked it up. It was 21. So I, right. I was, I did. It was maybe it was because they were in Arizona. Maybe it was supposed to be set in Arizona. Maybe that. I think the drinking age is federally was 21 well, everywhere. From what I understand, and I didn't, I should have looked this up, but I remember a long time ago understanding that it's not an actual law. It is. You can, so basically what the federal government does, I, and I'm probably wrong, but I, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. is that they tell you that the drinking age is 21. But if you go to 18, you're not going to get a certain amount of funding. Like they, they, they don't tell you exactly that. It's, oh, okay. You know I, I mean? got you. Yeah. But they say they suggest 21. And if I it's believe, 21, I believe you, you are right. Yep. You will get this amount of funding for this. But if you say 18, you're not getting some of this money. That's right. Your so, state law can override right. that. Now, yeah. I don't know now if everyone's 21, but I know that it's, there are, it was different between states. You are right. I do remember then. that. Yep. Yeah. So I think that that's what you have. And maybe in the 80s, they were, like I said, they were in Arizona when they're shooting. Maybe they're going by Arizona law. Yeah, because they're drinking like it's nothing. They're not yeah. worried about it. It's not like other ones where it's like, oh, we got to hide this. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Although, I mean, they do want to have a, a party, obviously, Buddy and Terry. But they never end up doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was waiting for it to end up becoming like a house party situation. <laughs> I was like, no, so there's going to be the big house party. Okay. And they never did it, which I was kind of happy about. Yeah, yeah. Because that's very overdone. The house party? Well, back then it wouldn't have been. Right. True. Because that's, that's another one of that's a 90s is trope. It, is it before? Yeah, that is a 90s. That's trope. definitely a 90s trope. The house party. I mean, uh, I should take that back, though, because you do have that at 16 Candles. They have that party at the house. So that's probably the big thing there. But like you said, that's like, like one of the first yeah, ones. So like yeah. it's another example of is it a trope now mm-hmm. or was it a trope then? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a trope, you know, now. Now it's definitely a trope, especially. Well, actually, you haven't had that in a while. A house party. Then you had that Project X. That's probably the last real big yeah. movie. Yeah, that was based on a true story, so it's not like, you know, well, yeah. loosely based. So it's, it's not like it was something that was just a, a trope for the movie. I, I actually, you put, have teenage comedies anymore. You do. You just you you just they're streaming, other you don't see yeah, them as much. Yeah, they're just they're not, not theatrical. Releases. Right. Yeah. And and you know you have or their TV shows. You have TV dramas and t- excuse me, teenage dramas and stuff like Euphoria and stuff like that on HBO, and then you have um. Uh, like Netflix has a ton of like romantic comedies for teenagers, on yeah. on, on uh on their platform. So yeah, but movie wise, nah, I can't really think of something that well, cock cockblockers. 
Yeah, that I mean was, they were high school going into college, but yeah. But that was all about, was all about girls trying to, age, yeah, trying to yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's but they're few and far between. No, though. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's because it's. Well, I do like cockblockers. It's pretty funny. It's 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 got it's, its got, moments. Yeah. I don't know if I'm a huge John Cena guy. I think he's great in comedies. I'm tired of seeing the Experian commercial. To tell you that right now, I don't get why there's a blue cow. I don't understand any of it. You love bringing up cable commercials, man. I do. I do. I do. Because it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> I've got that cord. I don't get those. See, here's what happens. Like so, a company like Old Spice makes a commercial and it's so weird. And everyone's like, ah, it's funny. And then everyone's like, give me that. Or Skittles does those commercials that are just off the wall. Right. And then everyone's like, I want what Skittles is doing. It's like, how about you create your own thing? How no. about you? Yeah, exactly. Weird. That's care. weird is Skittles brand. Odd is is Right Guard's brand. It's or Old Spice brand. Excuse me. You're your own brand. Figure out your own brand. Don't copy. <laughs> I don't know what experience doing with the purple cow. So whatever. It doesn't make me want to. Anyway, I don't know why I'm on this tangent. <laughs> Father, why do you think it's forgotten? I think basically it came out during a period where there were a lot of teenage comedies, especially this is where oh, around the time of a lot of classic ones like Breakfast Club, 16 Candles. All those John Hughes classic movies are out around this time. And there's so many different ones. And I think that's why movies like maybe maybe less this than three o'clock high, probably more three o'clock high. But a movie like this kind of gets buried. And a lot of your people in this, they were unknowns and they kind of remain unknowns or character actors. Well, they never sprung. Yeah, they never yeah. did anything much after this. Joyce Heiser doesn't do much after this. Clayton uh, Roner, who plays Rick, goes off and does a bunch of stuff, but it's more like guest starring roles on different mm -hmm. TV shows. Same with Billy Jane. Uh, Zabka kind of disappeared in the 80s and came back now he's, with Cobra Kai. He's back with Cobra Kai. Yeah, there's definitely a resurgence. In terms of acting-wise, but he's been a producer and he's been behind the oh, screen. Oh, he's a lot done of stuff. stuff yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Sherilyn Fenn obviously went off into Twin Peaks, but that's more like a drama. And yeah. that still, she wasn't like the main, main character in that. Yeah. And that only lasted two seasons and became kind of a cult hit as time yep. went on. Yep. So I think the fact that your, your cast isn't very big, the fact that Jeff Franklin went off and did, you know, Full House. Who is a big TV guy. He's a big TV guy after this too. You don't go back and realize he did movies. Like I didn't know he did movies and I wouldn't have even thought he would do a movie like this where it's a few little more adult themes and stuff like that. Yeah. And maybe Full House, a little less uh, family friendly. Um. I think that all kind of adds to why it was forgotten that and it's you said 37 freaking years old. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, I, yeah, it was one of the notes I have here is it gets lost in the eighties high school movie shuffle because when John who's exploded onto the, onto the screen, his, his high school films were like almost like YA, like young adult. So they're not, they're light. They're like high school light. Sure. You know, so everything there's, there's caricatures and there's tropes and, and whatnot, but it works. It works. And it's funny. It's not a movie like, this movie, just one of the guys, or three o'clock high, has a little bit more based in a reality of high school, not mm -hmm. a John Hughes reality of high school. Sure, yeah. But I think the John Hughes reality of high school plays better. Play it's it and it ha and you also had a lot of hot actors in those movies and big people. Right. That, so I think because of the surge of John Hughes films, I think just one of the guys kind of gets pushed down. Lost you kind of forget it. Yeah. yeah, but I do think that. Now, looking back, I do hear a lot of people that talk about how much they like the film. And, and and I would think that this movie is rife for a remake. I know it's the Twelfth Night, so you're basically anything you make is going to be Twelfth Night and you can. Mm -hmm. But I think that it could play well uh, if done well, if done by the right people. Uh, right. You know, so uh, but I think it helps to have a female director. Oh, I, I think back then it did. Yes, I because think even today it would as well. Well, if you have like a 1980s guy doing this movie, he's going to inevitably probably not be as cognizant of any kind of sensibilities or sensitive nature of anything. And he's just going to want to go for the, the joke. And he's probably going to have people say stuff that you're probably going to get those cringeworthy moments. So, yeah. so I think it would have worked back then probably, but now it wouldn't be looked back upon and going like, Oh, that movie is a really good movie. Actually. It, it translates well. So you wouldn't have that aspect if it was done differently. Like I said, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean like if it was done today, it would need a female director. No, no, no. I, I, oh, today. Uh, I yeah. don't know. Well, who knows? Maybe. I don't want to put that shackle on that in terms of like it needs to have this because then when you start doing that, then you I think it just helps go down a road. Right. But I think that helped the movie back then. I think it would help it maybe now again. Right. Right. Uh, okay. Unless so, you went the other way with it. What do you mean? Just one of the girls. Have a guy playing a girl. Yeah. But see, that's the thing. You get caught up in now. Okay. But is, are, is he doing it because he's trying to win a contest? Because 
or is he doing it because he's somebody who's confused about his feelings? See, that's what you're going to go down now. That's, that's oh, the road sure, you're going to yeah. travel down there. And then you're going to start going about, okay, well, who's the actor or actress who's going to play them? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's got to be the right person, a person who identifies with that. It's that's the thing. Like once you start going down that road, I think, and that's fine to go down. I'm, I'm right. not a negative on that at all, but you are sacrificing quality at some point because you're, you're, you're no longer choosing like if you're making that your stick then you have to choose a reason for the stick and right kind of right so it, right. And, but but that that's kind of the choices you make when you make movies like that okay i'm sacrificing that because this is more important to me and that is completely fine it's just that's what you're getting right so where can they find us you can find us at forgottencinemapodcast.com or forgottenentertainment.com as we are part of the forgotten entertainment family you can also find us on youtube spotify all of that good stuff rate review subscribe it all helps us out and join us on Forgotten Cinema's The Lobby. It's our page on Facebook where we talk about films, we communicate with you guys, and we uh, discuss like what we like. Where I shared the trailer for Jimkata. That's true. You did Jimkata when we mentioned just one of the guys. Actually, we had a bunch of uh, responses. No, I I um I put up the 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 list of the top fifty top high school films that I put that well, up that as well. Too, yeah, yeah. But when just one of the guys came up, I think we had a, a decent oh, amount yeah. of comments too about people going, "Oh, I like that film," or whatnot. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, yeah. And join us next week. We are doing the movie In Bruges that comes came out in the year 2008. But the reason why you should join us next week is we actually are going to have a guest next week. Ooh. Uh, I, her, Laura Johns, right? Her last name is Johns. I apologize, Laura, if you're listening to this. because Her name is Laura. I know that. <laughs> uh, she is from the Why the Book Wins podcast. Uh, we actually did an episode. I don't know if it's going to come out before this one or after this one. I think before. Uh, but we did an episode where we talked about the movie Enemy. And she had read the book that the enemy was based on the double. That is what that podcast is about, where she reads the book. She watches the movie. And she just talks about what she if she likes the book better or the movie better, the differences. And we actually had like, I think our conversation was about an hour where we, we talked about the movie enemy. Well, it was actually a movie that we both liked. I yeah. think it would have been a movie that we would have put on our list, too. So I'm glad that we did that. Right. Uh, yep. uh, but we're on her podcast and now she's going to be on our podcast. She had chosen. I gave her the list of season 12 films. She had chosen <laughs> in Bruges. So we're going to talk with her about that. That's next week. Uh, and I got nothing else. What do you got? Anything? Uh, I got nothing else. And I'm Mike Fields. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema.